When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. I was in your presence for an hour or so, or was it a day? I truly don't know. Where the sun never set, where the trees hung low by that soft and shining sea. Did you respect me for what I did or for what I didn't do or for keeping it hid? Did I lose my mind when I tried to get rid of everything you see in the summertime, in the summertime, in the summertime when you were with me? This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly, and joining me to discuss in the summertime from 1981's Shot of Love is fellow Bobcat, William Luke Sinclair. Hi, William. Hey, what's going on? I'm uh, very happy to have you on the show. Absolutely. Very happy to be here. Uh, like uh, uh, I've told you before, uh, this is a bit of a dream come true for me. I've been a fan for a while. Well, thank you very much. Like I said, I, I hope you enjoyed the experience. We have a really great song to talk about. For those of you who have been listening to the show a long time, uh, you might remember that we've covered this on a previous episode, but that was one of the handful of episodes I did by myself. And uh, I got to say, I don't like those episodes. <laughs> this show is is always meant to be a conversation between me and someone else or maybe other people's. And so those are not, you know, I, I did them, but it's not a thing I like to do. So I'm very happy to be talking about this song with you, especially as uh, we are in the middle of the summer. I really wanted to make sure we got it in before mm. the summer ended. Um, so before we talk about in the summertime, uh, William, of course, I got to ask, how did you become a fan of Bob? That is a very big question, uh, and, and maybe a little too broad of a question. He's one of those artists that has always been in my life. You've probably gotten that question a lot. In fact, I know you've gotten that something like that that answer a lot. But um, yeah, I I can't remember the first time I heard you know any specific song of her his. It just seemed like he was always sort of in the background, you know, along with you know the Rolling Stones and the Doors and the Who and everything. Um, but, uh, I really got into him, I guess, sort of in high school. Um, I liked all the, all the big rock bands, Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, and, and I, I was really into that for a while, but it really wasn't until high school and really even early college that I, that I really started to, uh, really dive into, uh, Bob Dylan's work and then later Leonard Cohen and, all the, you know, all the great 60s, 70s song, singer songwriters. Uh, but Dylan stood out, I guess, for me because of his poetry and because it was such an, his, his way of communicating was so otherworldly when compared to other, uh, other, uh, artists of his same era. Um, there was this sort of sophistication to a lot of his stuff that I just, I just naturally gravitated towards um and uh i mean i've just been a massive fan really since high school and uh you know have followed pretty much all all eras of his uh songwriting especially the 60s 70s stuff i've more recently in recent years got into a lot of his uh uh you know sort of 90s stuff uh and uh most recently really got into his gospel stuff me and my wife both you know, got into the trilogy, uh, 
uh, gospel trilogy records over the past couple years. And that's become some of my absolute favorite stuff of his. For a while, I wasn't that into it. I always just kind of thought, oh, I'll get to that later, I guess. You know, <laughs> I was going to just, I just kind of put that, put that on hold for a while. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting the way uh, he's able to sort of speak to the human condition uh, through so many different uh, eras, so many different really genres of music that he he's uh dabbled in uh and so many different eras uh and so many different styles it seems like uh, there's sort of no limit my, oh, love minus zero no limit <laughs> <laughs> yeah now you mentioned to me uh as we were preparing to do this that you are a reformed christian right is that yeah. the, the right term so forgive my mm-hmm. ignorance could you explain to me what that means uh so uh not to turn this into a, a whole theological show, but uh, uh, well, we are talking about <laughs> song from Shot of Love. That's I true. Mean, sure. That's that's true. Um, but uh, Reformed theology in uh, evangelical Christianity is sort of uh, the uh, is is the belief that um, essentially uh, God uh, sort of rescues you. Jesus rescues you from uh, basically being sort of a, a spiritually dead. Um, there is uh, amongst evangelical uh, circles and other denominations, this idea that this very common idea that uh, Christ and uh, is, is rescue rescuing you this idea that, you know, you're sort of drowning in a sea and he throws you a lifeline with reform theology, you know, the idea of that, uh, that uh, it uh, clings to is that, uh, no, no, you are in fact spiritually dead and uh, without uh, without any uh, true uh, life or goodness or meaning until Christ reaches out to you and brings you back to life and brings you into a spiritual uh, life. And that uh, a lot of that's, that same sentiment is very much alive within Dylan's songwriting, particularly on the Saved album, although to some degree on Shot of Love as well. But, uh, you know, Stone Cold Dead, when I stepped out of the womb, that's right out of Reformed theology. Yeah, because the reason I, I asked that is because you, you surprised me a little when you said that uh, these, the, the you know, the gospel trilogy were kind of ones that you purposely got to later. And again, like, forgive my, my ignorance, I would I would assume that that would have been something that you would have gravitated to immediately because of that connection. So what, why, why were you kind of reluctant to, to jump into those records? Well, uh, partly because, uh, my journey on the, uh, on the Christian reform theology, uh, really only started around the same time that I got into those records. Gotcha, so I think, gotcha. I think okay. they kind of aligned pretty much around the same moment. And, uh, you know, uh, just one of those sort of uh, coincidences, or was it not? <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, as I've said so many times, Bob's records are there waiting for you. You know, you may you may not be ready for them when he releases them, but they're there later on for you to for you to discover, and that you pick up these things that maybe at the time have no meaning, and then later on you go, oh, I've had this life experience, and now this means this means something to me. Yeah, uh, that, that's the case totally. with this. 
this this specific song for me and stuff like that. So that's really interesting. So what was your so when you got these records, when you got Slow Train and Saved, I mean, what was your and then Shot of Love, which you know a lot of people regard as kind of a his way out the door a little bit, although not that there aren't devout songs on Shot of Love I and mean, Property of yeah. Jesus like that. But what was do you remember what your initial reaction was when you got to these records? When I first started listening to them and seriously i mean i had i had heard you know every grain of sand and uh you know uh saved and um gotta serve somebody probably gotta serve somebody i'd I'd heard those before but i had never really delved into them the way i would you know dive into you know mr tambourine man or simple twist of fate or something like that um i think what really struck me was just how very clearly studied these were especially when I started getting into more, a little bit more into theology myself and into reading my Bible. This is a man who really understands um, the gospel and really understands uh, Christian theology. Um, you know, uh, there's this great uh, sort of humility in, in a lot of these songs. Uh, there's a great sort of uh, righteous uh I don't want to say anger, but there's this, there's this, uh, there's this passion behind everything that's very, very similar of the old, the old gospel state singers, very similar to like the staples singers kind of, kind of, uh, 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 passion that they have in a lot of their music. But uh, yeah, I was just amazed at how studied and how clearly, uh, he managed to get a lot of these ideas. I, I, I presume much of it came from his, you know, uh, being part of the uh, Vineyard Fellowship in uh, California, I guess, in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I mean, if you go all the way back, even into the, you know, the mid-60s, you know, he's singing about, you know, side saddle on the golden calf. Well, that's right out of Exodus. And, you know, <laughs> he, was, he was always reading the Bible. I think um, there's some interview that I, I'm very fond of, of this uh, young woman who was outside of... Uh, his uh one of his gospel concerts that said i i think he's always been singing the same something i'm paraphrasing but i think he's always been singing the same thing it's just more clear now it mm. seems like the 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 gospel it's more clear what he's what he's saying whereas before it it may have been you know somewhat uh elusive now it's more clear and i and i got that same impression now in his early records when he was actively uh kind of forgive the term kind of trying to recruit a little, which, you know, he most Mm -hmm. definitely was, uh, how did, how did that come across? Do you feel like he was, that he was doing a good job at that? uh, Since that seemed to be at least part of his goal, I would say shot of love. He's not trying to do that so much, but certainly on the slow train coming years and certainly the concerts he was doing, do you feel like he was sort of a good representative for, for that kind of effort? I think, uh, I think he absolutely was. Um, you know, and, and if you listen to all the interviews, you know, that uh, there was so much, I mean, there was so much backlash, not not necessarily from the fans, but definitely from the critical community, the uh, the song critics and and much of the music music industry. You know, he really defends it with this, um, the you know, this passion that is that is, you know, he, he never he never seems to make it about himself. You know, when the when there's one interview he did where he's talking about, uh, I, I'm sure you've heard it, heard it when they, uh, they, uh, 
there's some radio interview where they're talking about uh, the new American atheist is protesting his concert and so forth. And, uh, you know, he, he talks about how, you know, Christ didn't preach religion. He preached the word, the truth and the life and everything. You know, he, he always lays out theology, you know, even even at his concerts when he was, uh, you know, a preacher on stage, literally. Uh, I think he was absolutely, um, you know, sort of. Uh, acting just as a vessel for the gospel. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, a, a lot of what we call Christian rock nowadays, in my opinion, is is just doesn't hold a candle to, I mean, both the musical level of sophistication in these albums, uh, but also the, the songwriting and the theology as well. Mm. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, we know that he, you know, the, he's been putting in stuff from the Bible since practically the freewheeling days, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, so yeah, they, you know, yeah, and, and, you know, there was a story that he had a Bible, like a really big giant Bible, uh, on like a, like a, like a lectern or something in his house during mm-hmm. the basement days years where yeah. people would come in and they would see it there. Uh, so I'm, I'm imagining the Bible that he had. Looked like the one um, Indiana Jones has in the beginning of Raider, yeah. where he opens the book to those two guys and it's got a lock on it and it's yeah. you know, probably weighs about fifty pounds. That's that was the kind of imagine what kind of Bi- you know if Bob Dylan's gonna have a Bible, it's gonna be like the most deluxe you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> version of available. So he pops it open and he says, "Have you guys ever been to Sunday school?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys been to Sunday school? Now you also mentioned again as we were preparing to do this that. Uh, you, you and your wife, uh, came down the aisle or at least one of your, <laughs> one of your, your wedding songs was wedding song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we all, uh, we had our wedding, uh, in March, uh, it, we're coming up on the six month anniversary. I believe that's right. I might get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, in a little town called Giddings, Texas. It's kind of about an hour outside of Austin. And, uh, it was in this little, uh, outdoor sort of community center. It was very beautiful. Um, and, uh, uh, all the groomsmen and I, we all walked down the aisle and took our spots as wedding song played. And then she came, she came down at the end of it and it really stopped at the moment that she, uh, walked right up to the altar. So it was, it was perfectly timed, even though we didn't necessarily plan it that way. Right. Now, was that, was that something you had to kind of talk her into or sell that to her or was she all on board as well? Oh, she was all on board. She was particularly, um, really on board because she, she loves, uh, the gospel stuff, particularly. I do as well, but, but she really loves it. Um, we, uh, our first dance was to What Can I Do For You? And I believe we also danced to, uh, Covenant Woman. And, uh, wow. and, and of course we even had a, <laughs> my groom's cake. I couldn't talk her into the, to the actual, wedding cake being this but my groom's cake was a uh a bob dylan record it was a <laughs> little uh it was a little cake and it was shaped like a record and it was uh bringing it all back home i don't know why i didn't choose love and theft because it was such a love and theft themed kind of wedding you know old little <laughs> southern town we're all you know uh little texas style wedding uh but uh yeah it spun and everything it was so cool how did that, how does that, how, how did that work? <laughs> there was some, work? there was some sort of mechanism at the very bottom of the cake that, that made it spin or something. It was, it was 
really a work of uh, engineering mastership. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty amazing. We're not, uh, like I said, uh, as I mentioned a couple episodes before, I'm, I'm getting married in October, so we're not going that far. We will. Have- Thank you. We will be having some Dylan music playing at the reception, but that's, that's the extent of it. I'm not, uh, we're not going, we're not going that far with it. Um, so again, you also mentioned to me that you are a singer songwriter. So, I mean, it, can you talk a little bit about you know, how you feel like Bob's music has, you know, impacted that part of your life? Uh, tremendously. I mean, it's almost gotten to the point. It, it has gotten to the point where I'm like, all right, just let's, let's branch out a little bit. You know, let's not <laughs> just stick on the Dylan thing, but, uh, uh yeah tremendously i mean you know uh all all musicians to some degree uh are just impersonating their favorite musician you know uh that was true of bob in his yeah. early years and then he you know then he became his own man you know in those following records and he became his own musician uh you know i definitely in those you know those first couple years that i was uh, starting to write songs, impersonated him a little bit of, you know, maybe John Lee Hooker as well. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's something that I've always, you always try to kind of grapple with, you know, what, to what extent do I, am I, am I just being influenced by or am I just kind of ripping off this person, you know, mm. as long as it doesn't come down to song lyrics or chords or anything for the most part, uh, then, then I think you're you're in the clear. <clears throat> Do you perform live at all? Absolutely. Uh, I've taken a break recently since I got married, but um, yeah, I got some uh, new shows coming up, and I'm working on a new uh, record. And uh, yeah, I've already got two that I'm finished with, but uh, this one's going to be uh, probably my favorite so far. Okay. <clears throat> Have you ever covered a Bob song, either just I'm just for fun or in any sort of public performance? Oh yeah, tons of them. Oh, really? Okay. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, now do you, what's your approach on that? I mean, obviously probably is different for each song, but do you tend to do it the way he does it? Do you tend to do it your, completely your own way or? In my opinion, you gotta, if you're going to be a really, if you want to be a good songwriter and a good cover artist, you got to put your own spin on it. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favorite artists is uh cat power. I don't know if you know. Cat oh, sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, her her the way she covers songs is unbelievable you know she does uh uh satisfaction totally different way she cut out the the chorus of satisfaction you just left with the verses she did fortunate son uh which i honestly like even better than the ccr version um but uh i i i kind of do that kind of same thing with uh dylan songs uh one obvious example i can think of as i i did one of uh positively fourth street where i stripped it down you know it's on acoustic guitar and i sort of played the organ part with a harmonica and i do a little bit of slide on it as well yeah just just you know to to do the exact same thing as the original songwriter it's never first of all it's never going to be as good um and you gotta you gotta make yourself memorable like uh yeah i mean my my favorite dylan cover ever made is the staple singers version of masters of war mm. uh just totally totally different totally different uh nature to the to the song that's that's what i love hmm. have you ever seen bob live yeah um i've seen him four times uh first time i saw him was in uh up at the windstar casino 
Uh, it's just across the Red River from us in North Texas up in Oklahoma. Uh, that was an okay concert. Uh, <laughs> it was back in 2016, and um, uh, it was kind of a fascinating concert because, um, of course, they had the, you know, no, no cell phone policy. and, and But it was so dark in, in the little – it wasn't even a, a, you know, a stadium or anything like that. It was a, just a convention hall, and oh, wow. everyone – Everyone was on the same level. It was all just rows of seats huh. all the way up to the stage. And so people couldn't see over his head and it was so dark. People were using their phones as flashlights. And then the, the, uh, the security would haul them out as soon as they saw them trying to w- make their way to the, uh, stops, t- trying to make their way to the, um, to the, to their seats. And, uh, kind of, it was funny because he was, he was actually singing Desolation Row, that part where it, the, was it, uh, uh, the insurance agents uh, with their heart attack machines <laughs> take the kerosene up to the cat. You know, yeah. it was uh, it was a kind of a surreal experience. Um, <laughs> but then then I saw him uh, actually on our honeymoon, just to take our obsession just a couple steps further for you. <laughs> uh, on our honeymoon, we saw the uh, the uh, Rough and Rowdy Ways tour in Irving in san antonio and in uh austin san antonio was awesome because we were in the second row and uh, got to see him real real close uh the the best though was irving we were kind of in the middle uh i think that's where the sound was was just perfect it was you know we weren't up in the balcony we weren't right up against him it was just it was just uh incredible oh wow that's great (laughs) i don't remember the last time i've seen him that close i've been pretty close but i don't i think it's been almost boy 15 years since i was ever at a show where i was like right underneath him and stuff like that and it, it you know it is a different experience i mean he's so non-demonstrative but but that's what makes it cool to be that close because even the smallest little facial mm. move you're like oh, you know <laughs> it's like a big deal like oh he's smiling oh my god this is so exciting so okay <laughs> well all right that's 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 all very cool um so in the summertime uh, and this was a song that I, when I was getting to, to really discover Bob and I was gobbling up all the albums and I was familiar with the hits, you know, like the big songs. But when I would discover one that I thought was an obscure song that I felt like, you know, I didn't see listed on any greatest hits compilations, I always, that really helped cement my love of the work because I felt like it was kind of my thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it was like, oh, well, anybody can love Times Are Changing or like a Rolling Stone, but I know I like in the summertime, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. So, I mean, and this, this was one of the ones that I immediately loved. And it's one of those things that, um, and we'll, you know, we'll get into it in that, like, when I first heard it, I wasn't really ready for it because I hadn't had much life experience to that point. And then I had some life experiences and it, the meaning of it changed very dramatically for me and deepened in a way that it, it's was quite profound. And that's why this song remains one of my all time favorite songs of his. I probably put it in my top 20 songs of, of his and my favorites. Um, why did you want to talk about this one? Yeah, well, um, uh, this is a song that I, uh, had only heard only about a year and a half ago, honestly. Um, it's, uh, is one of those when I when I first listened to it, I was like, okay, you know, halfway through, then skip. <laughs> and then I listened to it uh, 
you know, I think a couple weeks later driving around in the car and, um, and I, and, uh, it was, um, it's something that, uh, is very, a lot of, a lot of his songs, a lot of his, even his gospel songs have this sort of edge to them, this really hard edge. Uh, but this one to me just seemed very, uh, rounded and smooth and relaxed. Um, <laughs> it's, which is, which is, uh, a change for Bob, uh, from time to time. He, he this sort of, um, uh, it almost remind me of something that, you know, you might listen to literally at a, at a pool party or something or, <laughs> a, or on the beach. That's the, that's, that's the coolest pool party I've ever heard of it. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I think, I think when you listen to it at first, you can, it's, it's a song that can be very easily dismissed as sort of background music, mm-hmm. uh, because of the tempo and because, you know, it's, you know, he's not trying to show off or anything like, it's not like, uh, it's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's not like shot of love or it's not like saved, uh, the songs it's uh very, uh, yeah, it's just very laid back and there's this very comfortable feeling that he has with it. Um, and, uh, and I really, I really kind of admired that, you know, in a, a record where there's, there's, there's so much, uh, energy, you know, he was like, eh, let's just, let's just kind of take a rest here, mm-hmm. sort of near, sort of near the end of the album, not quite the end. I think it's, I think it's positioned perfectly on the track order. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, this, this, this album certainly opens by kind of like kicking you in the face with the, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with the, you know, shah! And all the, boom, boom, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like this cacophony of that, like, oh my God. And then yeah, you get to this, and it's it is. I love the the phrase you use, rounded, uh, which to me is yes. As much as something can be rounded orally, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. It has that kind of laid back feel. Um, part of it is, I think, and and you know, it might just be simply by the use of in the summertime. Uh, part of it is like that's my favorite time of year. You know, we're in my favorite time of year as as we record this. But there's something about the way he sings it, the way the musicians are backing him that I, um, there's this visual. There's, um, have you heard the, 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 um, I'm, I'm blank. I think it's, I'm forgetting the name of it. I think it's called Gotta Serve Somebody or maybe I'm getting it wrong, but the, 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 the album that was the covers, the gospel covers of Bob Dylan where other people were singing his gospel songs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then he's on that. With Mavis Staples redoing, uh, gonna change my way of thinking. And Ooh. we haven't done that yet on the show. And I can't wait to get to that because it's got like a comedy sketch in the middle of the song where, you know, he, you know, he's recording and then Mavis Staples literally like oh. knocks on the door and shows up and he talks about, uh, Mavis Staples is going on about what a nice studio he's Bobby's got and he's like yeah you can look right on this you can sit on this porch and look right straight out into Hawaii now I know that he when he where he recorded this is not that studio and I also know Mm. it's a bit of a comedy sketch and he's exaggerating but to me I can almost hear the sun setting you know as they're Mm. recording this it's like it's near the end of the day They've been recording all day and now they're kind of kicking back, laying back and they're going to, they're going to end the day with this kind of like more mid tempo kind of song. And I, 
I can picture Bob sitting there with like the sun coming up across, the, you know, like into the windows as the sun starts to set. And again, this is all in my yeah. head. I'm making all this <laughs> up, but that's what I that's what I picture when I hear this song. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. It's um, th- yeah, you get the feeling in this song that he's he's very he's much more comfortable uh with you know the man he is and the faith that he has and uh you know his relationship uh with his faith and with uh his god you know there's this um there's this you get the feeling that it's almost he's almost sort of looking back uh on his work and not necessarily you know you know job well done how, how great am i <laughs> but you know this this great this feeling of uh uh, satisfaction that, uh, you know, he, he's worked hard for this moment of peace, you know, uh, because, it, you know, 1981, he's, you know, he's 40 years old at this point and he's come off some fairly tumultuous years, uh, <laughs> a you bit, know, yeah. fo- following, you know, the, you know, being such a massive superstar and then coming off of that, having you know, the divorce of his wife and everything. Uh, and, and now this is a movie almost... that everybody hates. Yes. Yeah. 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 Ronaldo and Clara. Yeah. Uh, man, that's woo. I was, <laughs> I, I watched, I, <laughs> I watched that a few months ago and I, I, uh, I, I, I really, if you wanted to make a comedy out of it, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, uh, the movie, the room where people mistaked it for a comedy. I, I feel like if he would have done that angle, that really, I think that would have worked out. But um, I get the sense you could edit that movie into all kinds of different movies. That's oh, anything. The... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Depending on how you edit it, it really could be several different films. Yeah, there's there's essentially no narrative. But um, yeah, you get the feeling in the song that he's almost I'm probably reading into this a little bit, but he's almost happy that his youth is finally over. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's you know, he's no longer younger than that. Now he's uh, finally uh, at peace with himself a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, yes, it does have a, it, it does have a, a feeling of a kind of summation, uh, to mm. a certain extent. The song continues on. He says, I got the heart and you got the blood. We cut through iron and we cut through mud. Then came the warning that was before the flood. There's a, there's a phrase that, uh, you know, certainly mm-hmm. lingers long in the, the, you know, the Dylan history that set everybody free. Fools, they made a mock of sin. Our loyalty, they tried to win, but you were closer to me than my next of kin when they didn't want to know or see. And then he gets the refrain in the in the summertime. Um, now, you know, we'll get to it in a moment as, as the song progresses, because as I have mentioned in the again, in the previous episode I did, this song has a distinct meaning to me that I know, you know, I know intellectually is incorrect because mm-hmm. there's all this other material in the song that I'm kind of just bypassing. Uh, to get to the part that really means something to me, but in your mind, like this, the the verses where you talk about, we you know we cut the wire and we cut the mud, and then you were closer to me than my next of kin when they didn't want to know or see. It seems fairly direct here that he's talking about Christ, because who else would be closer to me than my next of kin when they didn't want to know or see? Uh, it, that, I mean, that's you know, it feels like it's like you changed my life. It feels like those kinds of songs where he's saying, you know, everyone. No one really understands me, but you do. Yeah, well, um, it is it is first and foremost a love song. 
it's not a romantic love song, but it is a love song that is uh, about a relationship that uh, that is certainly uh, complicated. Uh, and it certainly um, had some tumultuous, you know, roller coasters. But um, but there is this uh, gratitude that he's simply revealing in this song. It's like a very, it's a very uh, well written uh, thank you letter in a way. You know, hmm. he's uh, there's this great gratitude. Uh, you know, in in the way he says, uh, uh, let's see here. Yeah, he says, um, <clears throat> uh, poverty and shame was theirs, and uh, fools they scoff. Um, this uh this sense that um you know all these other all these other people these you know these fools uh they you know they they mocked me for you know for loving you and for trusting in you but i'm glad i didn't listen to them mm-hmm. and uh yeah that's 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 uh there there's an incredible amount of you know humility he's showing in this in this uh song that you just you you wouldn't hear in you know you you wouldn't have heard this in highway 61 revisited you know <laughs> or uh or uh blonde on blonde those were not uh that was not a uh a uh a very uh humble uh bob dylan years <laughs> no, uh, full of piss is, and vinegar then yeah yes yeah uh yeah this is this is bob dylan after he's you know had a divorce had several children and uh, gotten in a car accident and got off drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's very much a, uh, a changed man, uh, a much more mature and a much more spiritually mature person uh, through, through what he's uh, saying, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> so he's uh, in, and he's got, the, by the way, I noticed with the, the refrain in the summertime, when you are with me, he's talking about a summertime that has passed. Yes. Um, as a, now, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, again, I always hear when I, I picture it, I'm, I'm imagining it in the summer, but I noticed that Bob, when he sings about summer, whether it's summer days, it's the mm-hmm. summer has passed. It's always, he's not in the summer yeah. at the moment. It's after, it's, it's always like after summer days are gone, you know, so he's always kind of reflecting back a little, uh, at, you know, that it's almost like the Bob Seeger, you know, autumn's closing in. Like it's that kind of mm-hmm. like, we're to get, we're at the tail end. The days are, the days are now getting a little noticeably shorter at the, from their height and things like that. But I, I noticed that in the song. But so in the final verse is where, uh, this song, uh, lodged itself into my brain and, and it, it made me, you know, not this song, not single handedly, but it's stuff like this that made me like a fan for life from this guy. Because mm-hmm. he says, he says, strangers, they meddled in our affairs. Poverty and shame was theirs. But all that suffering was not to be compared with the glory that is to be. And then, and I'm still carrying the gift you gave. It's a part of me now. It's been cherished and saved and will be with me unto the grave and then into eternity in the summertime. Now, again, I know intellectually, I can guess. We never want to guess what, we're never certain what Bob is thinking and trying to, saying that you are is ridiculous. but. It's a fairly, you know, again, it's a fairly straightforward song in that way. And that's saying he's talking about the gift of receiving God's love. And even if he's moving away from that, he still has it in him and it'll be with him until until the grave, until eternity. But mm. when I 
when this song, I, there was something about it that I liked when I first heard it. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Might have been just the sheer mention of the summertime. And as you say, it it has that warm, roundish feel. And maybe I was just re- reacting to that to it. But then later on, after I had some life experiences and I I was on the on the uh on the on the on the receiving not the receiving end, I was on the other side, let's put it, of a very, very potent relationship that had ended. And mm-hmm. my heart was broken, but the, these lines really got their claws into me because as mad as I was and as heartbroken as I was about that time, I was still grateful for the experience. And I still am to this day. Now it's, it's 20 years later and a lot of water under the bridge and stuff, but mm. those a lot lines, of other stuff too. A lot of other stuff too. Um, it's amazing how much <laughs> that, that figures into your life, but, um, like I, I hear those lines and I just, they just floor me. Part of it is the way he sings it. He doesn't sing it with any rancor at all. It's grateful. And even though there's maybe, uh, you know, uh, there's some pain involved and certainly there was for me, there's that feeling of, okay, this was this, this relationship, this experience has made me who I was. It makes me who I am now. And I'm thankful for that. And on some level, that will I will carry that with me until the day I die and into eternity. Not necessarily you're carrying the love you might still have had for someone because that that can fade, but just the the gratefulness for the experience. And this song is a very grateful song. And to me, it's that kind of thing that again, when I heard that when I first heard the song, I, I hadn't had those experiences, and so I didn't I couldn't relate to it on that visceral level. But then there's the song just sitting on Shot of Love, side two of Shot of Love, years later for me to discover it. And then I it hit me, and that's it. I know the song is about more than just this romantic relationship because it, we just talked about, but to me, that's what it's about. For me, that's what it's about. Mm. Those couple of lines is everything to the song to me. And that is why I love this song so much because it reminds me of a time that was not great in my life. But I got past it and I grew and it's like, there's Bob for me to help explain it to me. It's just, it's incredibly profound for me. Yeah. The, um, yeah. Um, we all go through these seasons of life that are, you know, can, can break our hearts and can, can sometimes even break us. But I think Leonard Cohen once said something like, you know, we can either allow tragic experiences to uh, embitter us or they can open our hearts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's essentially, I think that's the message really of this whole record. Um, you know, the, the first two records, you get the feeling that he's kind of, he's out there evangelizing, you know, he's out there yeah. actively and he's doing some of that here, but he, he's really, he's opening his heart um, to the audience, to, uh, you know, opening, uh, his heart in the theological manner. Um, and I, I think what he's, I wrote this down. He, he's really talking to, he's really talking about, uh, what, uh, Christians call the, uh, the, the, uh, the circumcision of the heart. Um, it's a, a phrase that's mentioned both in the old and new Testament quite a bit. Um, of course, in, you know, the Mosaic law, you had 
the physical circumcision, which we're all familiar with, but there is also the circumcision of the heart. Uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, verse 6 says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord and your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. And I think that is essentially... I think that's essentially what he's trying to get across here is that his heart has been opened and, you know, um, he's, he now doesn't have this heart of stone. He has a heart of flesh and that, uh, you know, and, and you can, you can take, as you said, that, that sort of sentiment and uh, apply it to almost any aspect of your life. It doesn't even have to be spiritual. It can be, you know, uh, a relationship that uh, deteriorate, deteriorated, uh, a loved one that's passed away, um, you know, a friendship that's gotten sour. Um, it's this this feeling that, um, yeah, you can you can either allow that to to harden you to the world and turn you into a cynic, or you can allow that to just open you up and um, grow from it, and that's that's the most beautiful thing is when that happens to a person. Yeah. And he seems uh, a little shy about being so open hearted. I think in, in heart of mind where he's singing about heart of mind, be still like he's even sort of talking to his own conscience saying, well, let's be a little weary here because you can get hurt if you're that open, you know? Uh, and, and so it's interesting that he sees again, he's sort of like analyzing those different, aspects of himself uh, on the record which of course is you know, kind of typically what he does on a lot of his records is taking different ideas and sort of following them different in different directions and that's that's the record in a lot of ways but yeah it's it really is this marriage of performance uh the lyrics and just the way that he uh you know part of the, the you know the musicians but part of it is his his vocal performance again it's 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 warm-hearted and it's accepting and grateful. And that's just, and you know what? I, 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 you know, I think probably when I heard those words in that context, you know, post that traumatic experience that I had, I don't think I was ready to be that open hearted, you know, mm. I've grown to be, but in the moment I probably wasn't, but maybe I was almost looking to Bob at like a, a little bit like a signpost, like, oh, no, no, you can get there. You know, there, there's, there's a way to get there and I'll figure it out somehow, that kind of thing, you know, because yeah, you don't want to become hard hearted, uh, yeah. you know, but I mean, I feel like that's again, that that's, and I mean, this is, this is a song written in 1981. This is a full, uh, 10, you know, years, uh, before I had any of these experiences, but again, mm. it's like, he's making this art and it's just sitting there and laying in wait for me. And the fact that, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, that this song was, you know, not one of his more famous ones by any stretch of the imagination, it felt like my private little thing, you know. It's like, oh, he's talking, he's talking to me, and I know that that's that's no, you know, <laughs> obviously that's not true, <laughs> but it feels like it. It it feels like he is, and that is why this thing uh, resonated with me so powerfully. And and every so often. I will dig it out and I've listened to it a bunch of times in preparation for this. And it, it's, it works just as well. You know, I, it's all, there's all the, all this time has passed, but yet I still can conjure up those feelings and those experiences of that time. 
And it's nice to be able to smile about it now as opposed to grimace, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it's like, I, I, in a, in a, as try not to be as, you know, too corny, but it's like, I got it. I thank Bob for that. I thank him for writing this. I thank him for putting this on the record when we all know how much material he recorded for Shot of Love. There was no chance. There was, you know, there was a chance this song wouldn't make it because there was a thousand other songs he could have put on there. Uh, all of, a lot of which are, you know, incredible quality. But the mm-hmm. fact that this is on there, um, again, I feel like this, this was, uh, this was, this lined up for me perfectly. And I heard this when I needed to hear it. And I was, and I, I was ready for it when I was ready for it. And there it was just sitting on side two of shot of love for me. And again, it's, as I said, it remains one of my favorite songs of his. Now I um, have not heard any alternate takes of this. There probably, there probably must be. Um, They have of course done, several bootleg series related to this material. Now there is a live version on the trouble no more set, but there are no alternate studio takes. I would absolutely love to hear alternate studio takes of the, they must exist. Mm-hmm. Um, they absolutely must. And while I don't tend to quote Clinton Halen too much uh, on this show, I have read his books a lot and he had this very funny evocative phrase because at the end of the song, Bob does this great harmonica solo and it fades very quickly. Like it cuts very, very abruptly. And Clinton Halen describes it as like some ham fisted engineer just went to junk with the fader. And <laughs> that's kind of what it sounds like. Cause it's like Bob starts doing this harmonica and then it just goes, brah, 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 and it just, it cuts off really fast. Yeah. Quick fade out. Yeah. Yeah. Really quick <clears throat> fade out. So it makes me think at the very least, this song probably went another 35 to 45 seconds of him just playing the harmonica. And I'd love to just hear that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, although I wonder, I wonder if that was, I mean, I don't know at this point how, how involved Bob was in the pro- production of his own. I don't think he really gets into that till about the, what empire burlesque period. But uh, I wonder if that was intentional. Like, eh, I don't want to show off too much, you know, mm. this is, you know, this is sort of a tribute song. I'm probably, I may be reading into that, but, you know, and even because, you know, the harmonica parts that he plays at the beginning, you know, they're good, but they're not particularly fancy or anything. They're, uh, um, and, and by the way, I mean, all the songs on this record are incredibly raw sounding. And that's what he was going for. They sound, some of them sound more like demos than, you know, fully mixed and mastered uh tracks but uh you know that that really raw harmonica sound it sounds like he's you know recorded it at a you know three by two foot janitor closet you know (laughs) but uh yeah yeah this is this is an album that got uh really kind of futzed with on the production and i know that there's a there's a whole verse from heart of mine that got clipped out uh they just snipped it out and of course Mm. this is the only album he's ever produced that has been altered post-release because when it was released originally it did not have groom still waiting on the altar on it Mm. and it was only after that song was put as a b-side to another song and that song started getting a lot of radio play that sony was like oh we should put it back on there so that they slapped it back on there but that song was not originally on the record which is again i think the only time that has ever really happened so this is this is a song this is an album that uh, we know Bob was really quite proud of it. He gave a bunch of interviews where he talked about how proud of he was of, of, of it. It didn't do particularly well coming on the, the heels of saved. I think people were like, ah, oh, it's more Christian stuff and they don't want to hear that. Now 
I mentioned the live version. There is that version on Trouble No More. This has only been performed live 26 times, so not very much. He started performing it in 1981. It went through that kind of tour, and then he uh, stopped performing it in November of 81, and then it resurfaced in 2002, and he did it for 10 performances. Now, this is back going. Now we're we're we're. I'm getting uh, more evidence of my uh, my, uh, uh, you know, uh, like conspiracy theory that Bob did this just for <laughs> me because the last live performance of this song was on November fifteenth, two thousand two, in Philadelphia, and I saw that and I went, wait a minute. So I go and I look up my little Excel spreadsheet that I have of all the times I've seen Bob. <laughs> I was at that show. Oh wow! I was at that show, and I looked at the set list, and it's the second song on the set list. So I was there at the last time he has performed this song in twenty years. And so again, I wanted I want to tell myself intellectually again that this song is not just for me, but I think it kind of is. (laughs) (laughs) It sort of is because he did it for me when I was there, and then he never did it again since. So that's perfect. And, and you can find that version on YouTube. It does exist. Someone, some nice bootlegger put it up there. Uh, and it's a really, it's a really nice version of it. And you can sort of hear people kind of as he's singing it, like, what song is this? But, uh, <laughs> so it's obviously, you know, by the fact that he, he dusted it off in 2002 for, a, you know, a cycle of performances, it obviously, uh, it's not terribly far from his mind because he, he dug it out. Uh, it'd be, I would love to see if you, I would love to, for him to do it again, but uh, I'm, I'm happy that it's not one of those songs that just, you know, kind of got performed for the gospel tour and then just forgotten. Then it was just, nah, it's just buried forever. I'm, I'm so happy that there's those 2002 performances because that means on some level, I think he's proud of it. And I, I hope he is because I love it. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. The choices he makes for songs, you know, just, uh, I mean, the last, you know, this last tour, uh, you know, uh, watching the river flow as, as the opener, um, <laughs> which I thought was honestly perfect. Uh, it's a very strange choice, but I thought it was perfect. And also <laughs> this, this song, what do you say is the second song on the set list? It was the second song. Yeah. 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 Not exactly a rallying people up songs. Yeah. Know, right. Just... Yeah. <clears throat> That's fantastic. That's a great memory. Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I was doing the research for this episode and I was looking and I was like, wait a minute, Philadelphia? I always see him when he's in Philadelphia. That's right next door. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So thank you, Bob. Uh, I appreciate that very much. So yeah, I said this song, it, it, it's just one of those things that, um, I, it, 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 it's, it, it cemented my love of the work and not that, uh, that I love Tangled Up in Blue or, or some of his more famous songs means you're any less of a fan or anything like that. But it, there's just something where you can dig through his archives and find the stuff that is so powerful to, to you. And then, you know, uh, I, I love that. I love that he's got so much material that there's probably one song for everybody that they can say, that's my favorite. And it's, you know, it, it's a, not the uh, top 300 most famous songs of his. No, but there's somebody that loves it. You know, there's somebody that that's their favorite song. And so um, I was so glad that when you wanted to discuss it, because like I said, I've been wanting to cover this with somebody for a while, because I said, I just absolutely, absolutely love the song. Is this something that you think you would ever want to cover yourself? Uh, I could see myself covering that. Um, I've wanted to, I haven't done any covers of his, of his gospel stuff. Uh, right recently i I haven't uh really uh 
dived into that uh, too much. But uh, yeah, this one would definitely. I'm, I'm right now. I'm just kind of trying to figure out how I would do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've already got you've already got my wheels turning. And maybe a, maybe a mandolin part, maybe an upright bass. Uh, but uh, yeah, the yeah, all, all the songs on this record are are really are very. Uh, I think would lend themselves well to a to just a solo acoustic. Honestly, mm-hmm. even the ones with sort of big production, mm-hmm. I think you can you can you can kind of mess around with them enough to to make them a real nice sort of coffee shop kind of feel kind of uh, songs. You can't necessarily do that on a lot of the slow train coming stuff. Mm-hmm. But on this one, you, you, there's there's a real intimate feel that I think you could get out of just a guitar harmonica. I would love to. I don't know of any covers. I didn't see any on on YouTube. Although I guess I didn't I didn't go look extensively. But this isn't something that uh, again I think a lot of people have uh, covered in particular. And uh, again, it's just it's it's it it makes me feel every time I even think about the song, uh, <laughs> it makes me feel good inside. You know, and I mean, what what a tribute that is to a, a piece of music you can do that for somebody um so uh thank you so much william for for coming on and wanting to talk with me about this this was just uh, a real delight because i said this song just means so much to me and I'm, I'm glad i got a chance to you know bring it out again on the show absolutely well we'll talk next summer about another one of his summer songs about a summer that passed, not the one that you're currently in. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I said, I absolutely wanted to make sure we got this in before the summer. And so, as I mentioned, summer is my favorite time of year and uh, living where I do, you know, it gets cold and it gets gray for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. And so I try and squeeze every ounce of summer I can uh, while, while it's, while it's happening, I'm trying to be outside as much as I can and, soaking up as much sun as I can and just, just enjoying every bit of it I can. And this song is just sort of part of that. And it's, it's, this song is part of me. It it just is. And it will be mm-hmm. with me until, until the grave. It just really is. So uh, before we sign off here, uh, I do have to ask you, William, our standard exit question, which is uh, what album of Bob's would you love to sit in uh, for the sessions on? Yeah. I've been preparing for this question. Okay. <laughs> uh, for, for, for a little bit, I was thinking, uh maybe john wesley harding because that's such a cool you know shift in his career from the totally electric you know uh overdone studio work to just spare down instruments but i think i think i'm honestly gonna have to go with self-portrait okay uh i i I love that album because you know it's you know it's all covers and he seems to be really or almost all covers except for the isle of white uh you know you know, versions of, uh, you know, Mighty Quinn and like Rolling Stone. But, uh, you know, the, uh, it seemed to be from a lot of interviews and stuff that I've read, it seemed to be the one that he really, uh, really enjoyed himself and had a lot of fun with. And plus there's so much material that mm-hmm. he recorded. Uh, you could just spend, you know, who, who knows how long, uh, in that recording, uh, session and just, you know, all the different, uh, studio people i'd like to meet bob johnston he seemed like a really he seemed like a really interesting person <laughs> to say the least <laughs> yeah uh yeah 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 you would get a you would get a lot of time with bob if you sat through the self-portrait sessions that's absolutely true so all right that's fine fair enough fair enough so well uh william again thank you so much for doing this man i really appreciate it why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet uh yeah uh you can find uh 
my Facebook and Instagram, just William Luke Sinclair. Just search that up. You'll find me. And if you know, if you want to hear, hear uh, uh, a really bad knockoff version of uh, any uh, folk singer uh, that uh, comes to mind, uh, you can find my music as well on iTunes, Spotify, just William Luke Sinclair. All right. Very cool. Well, again, Everybody, thanks so much for listening. You can find back episodes of the show on our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. And uh, finally, if you want to support the Find Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast. There you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on the show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hustle, George Doherty, Waki Meckle, Paul Ruther, and Henry Bernstein. Thanks, guys. And, uh, of course, I have to throw in one last plug. Uh, if you want to buy the Pod Dylan Jukebox t-shirt, uh, which is uh, new, just go to my Etsy store. It's Rob Kelly Creative over on Etsy, and the link is in the show notes. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. The name of the new album is Shot of Love. It's different than the last. It's different than Saved, and it's different than Slow Train. Well, it sounds old, but it's new. I think this new album we did is the uh, for me, I think it's the most explosive album I've ever done. Uh, even going back to Blonde on Blonde or, or Free Wheeling or any of those, uh, bring it all back home or Highway 61 or where, wherever they were. I think this one is, for its time right now, will be perceived in the same way. I mean, I may be totally wrong in saying that, but I feel, I feel that same way about this album as I did about when we recorded Bring It All Back Home, it was like a breakthrough point. It's the kind of music I've been striving to make, and I believe that in time people will see that.